0: Thanks for listening to Bezier. Bezier is sponsored by Superhigh, online courses for code, design, and product management. Superhigh's courses can be done in your own home at your own pace. I've been a Superhigh student since 2017 and have gone from being a designer feeling alienated by the should designers code discourse to building my own sites and now even selling web design services. My favorite part of Superhigh is the community of learners. As a Superhigh student, you're added to this huge community of all the other Superhigh students filled with inspiring people from all over the world in all different places in their careers. I've gotten work there. I found podcast guests there and even made in-person friends all because of Superhigh. It's easy to get started. There's an online code editor. You can do it on your own schedule. There's built-in community of learners. It's got everything you need. Start learning to code, design, or product manage today at superhigh.com. I like to have guests introduce themselves. Could you share a bit about yourself? So my name is Jackie. My
1: pronoun is he, him. I'm currently a designer and developer at a company called Wahoo Fitness. So I got into tech design industry in roughly 2014. Before that, I actually worked as a architectural graduate for two years. I didn't really find that kind of creatively fulfilling. So that was the year I decided to make a switch. I've kind of always had more interest in tech design um, during that time. So I kind of wanted to give software design a try. From kind of my final year thesis in architecture school, the topic that I picked was around kind of imagining the future of Christchurch City after its 2011 earthquake. And the part of the problem I was trying to tackle at the time was single occupancy vehicles and also trying to challenge that notion of car ownership at the time. The design was kind of, part of it was imagining a city where nobody needed to own cars anymore, but you could still kind of get to places from people that have cars. And eventually that kind of led to the designing an app that was essentially what we now know as Uber. It was the same kind of idea. But I remember really enjoying that process of putting together some sort of user flow, and putting together user interface and trying to animate them with prototyping tools like using Mac keynotes. And I think it was like Quartz Composer at the time before it was anything like what we have now these days. But then fast forwarding to finish my master's in architecture school, I kind of went straight into my first job at a really big civil engineering firm. It was very corporate. And I kind of remember feeling a little bit usually quite bored at the day job, and I would always try to kind of find time to moonlight doing digital design work, fun. It kind of started with just kind of creating logos, creating posters or illustrations, but I eventually kind of dug my hands into learning how to do web development and kind of learn the ins and outs of HTML and CSS. At the time I had, I remember I had no clue what kind of UI, UX was, but I was just, curious enough to learn as much as I can on the internet. And I remember building the personal website, like maybe four different times, just trying to figure out, all right, how do I do this in Tumblr? How do I do this in WordPress? And then eventually moving on to like flat CMS when that was kind of popular at the time, like how do I use this and do this in Kirby and just like a bunch of different experiments and trying to do that for fun so eventually i kind of had enough work under my portfolio and i applied for a design role at a local kiwi startup um that was in 2014. so that kind of started my uh, design career in this industry so yeah throughout the last it's been six years now and i've only really worked at uh, product companies as product designer i've never had the opportunity to work in an agency environment but Throughout this entire time, I've always tried to maintain a stream of side projects, kind of kept that habit. Some are really small and most of them are, to be honest, unfinished (laughs) and forgotten. But three years ago, I started to get into cycling and I started to ride a lot of bikes and also started to teach myself how to build web apps with React. So I built while I was cycling and I'm kind of uploading activities onto Strava. I was teaching myself how to build a web app that fetches activity data from Strava and kind of visualize them through the designs that I was doing. The app was called Banana because I suck at naming things. <laughs> but really the kind of the, the initial scope was simply just trying to visualize how many bananas of calories that I've burnt with each activity. But eventually that kind of turned into learning about how do I do authentication, how does APIs work and How does Firebase work in a web app? Um, I was completely clueless for most of that stuff, but somehow managed to hack something together (laughs) and uh, also tried to document the process as I go. So I blogged about that process and that my current employer, Wahoo Fitness, the design team saw that, and they reached out to me on Twitter. This was probably three years ago two and a half years ago. And they offered me the job on Twitter. Uh, It was like a fully remote role and I've been enjoying it ever since. So yeah, that's my current gig right now.
0: Wow. I think it's a really great example of, people are always talking about like the non-traditional ways to get jobs versus like submitting a CV and going through an application process for an open role versus like what you did for Wahoo Fitness of like working on a side project that you were passionate about, that aligned with your hobbies and it was interesting to you and you developed your side project like yeah. that for fun, it sounds like. And then getting a job through that and Twitter is, I think, more realistic to how the design industry hires than maybe traditional CV application process. Yeah, most definitely. And I think if
1: you keep it fun and if you keep it to what your interests are, you actually have more motivation to, to learn more as well. So. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it any other way. I don't think
0: (laughs) I think you alluded to it. We talked about it before we started recording, but you said uh, local Kiwi startup and uh, Christchurch, where are you based for our listeners?
1: I'm currently in Auckland, New Zealand, so the busier part of New Zealand And
0: outside of cycling,
1: what do you like to do outside of work? Really? I I mean, I love traveling um, so I kind of combined all of those three things, all of uh, 2019 before this crazy pandemic happened. Um, I spent the entire year working remotely in three different cities. Uh, So I spent three months in Taiwan, where my parents are from, and I spent three months in New York. And then after that, I was in Amsterdam for two to three months. And now I'm back in New Zealand.
0: That's incredible. Do you think that it's really important for designers to try and travel? Like, obviously, not everybody can, and definitely not right now during coronavirus, but do you do you feel that it's, like, really helpful to your design practice to experience different places? I think so.
1: Um, I think the more you see how people do things, um, you gain a lot of the perspective that we all have our own bias when it comes to Especially like workflows and communication, and I think once you've traveled and kind of lived in different places, you kind of understand how the you know the little intricate differences that each culture has. I think yeah, definitely
0: highly recommended. After this pandemic, <laughs> after yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> please, yeah. please wait to travel. Yeah. <laughs> And I'd love to go back a little bit. Okay. So you have a master's in architecture, you worked at a civil engineering firm, and then you transitioned to design and then development. So I'm curious about like how your architecture work informed your design work. And also, you know, there's, there definitely was a lot of discourse around should designers code. It sounds like not only did you learn how to code, you really have gone into a lot of the technologies behind it. Like I can build a website, but I don't know, react. And I feel like you've, it sounds like you've gone pretty far into development as well. I was looking at your website, you've got a link to your GitHub, like that scares me to even have a GitHub profile. So maybe could you talk about that transition and did you sort of like build into development to achieve your design goals or was it just something you were interested in learning as well?
1: Definitely the curiosity thing was the big motivator on learning about new technologies, learning how to do things and always having that beginner mindset when, when learning things. But I think coming from architecture, what sort of annoyed me the most about practicing architecture is a lot of the design work. It's really hard to prototype anything. It's, it's you putting into a 3d software or visualizing it through plans and elevations and sections, but to actually have, to see something that you designed and built, it takes a long time. Um, so there's that detachment of, you know, like having hands on, you can build forms and models, but it's to some extent, it's still very far away from the real thing. So I think coming into product design, I was very um, aware that what you put into code, you can see the end result immediately. There's no abstraction or there's the, the you know, the difference between what you're building now to what people are seeing is very close. It's immediately the same thing. So I, I, I really enjoyed having that, the ability or, or the, the knowledge to translate what my intended design was into the final product, into what people are actually using. So I think with that mindset, it kind of always pushed me to, to achieve the highest fidelity when it comes to prototyping, when it comes to design, and i mean there's i can definitely see both arguments like do you need to code to be a good designer not necessarily but i think it's whether or not you want to know the full limitation or or with what you're working with right like if you want to design a house and you don't know the material the, the the wood the concrete like how do you build something from that so i think knowing how to code has definitely i want to say design something that could be built easily or handing it off to a developer because you share the same kind of language with them. And it's helped me in kind of thinking it that way. But yeah, I think I'm just very keen to learn how to build things and make things. I think that was what my biggest driver was.
0: So tell us a little bit about your role at Wahoo Fitness. Do you develop and design there as well?
1: So the most of the development work that I do are for prototyping purposes. In my previous jobs, I have done like front end development, but at Wahoo Fitness, depending on the job, um, most of my front end uh, skills are spent on yeah prototyping interactions. And recently, I've started to kind of tinker with how to build prototypes that talks to Bluetooth um, sensors. Um, so like, so you can feed like heart rate data into your prototypes so you don't have to fake those graph charts anymore. It
0: actually prints it out for you. That's incredible. When I think prototyping, I, I, I don't really think like physical sensors. So that's it's definitely something for me to remember that this <laughs> is like a possibility. And what's your team structure like at Wahoo Fitness?
1: We currently in, in the software design team, because Wahoo Fitness, we make both hardware and software. So the software design team, we have eight designers in total, and it's all across different time zones. So it's a, almost a fully remote design team. With that, the ability of prototyping something, you know, high fidelity is really useful for handing off something that you want the developers to understand what your intention was. Because a lot of times, If you just design something with static mockups, it could be lost in translation. If you don't supply them with more kind of notes and you lose that face-to-face kind of clarity.
0: I'm imagining that you're working from home now. Were you working from home before COVID-19? Yeah, it was. So I've been working
1: from home since two years ago, since I joined Wild Fitness. Can you share a bit about what your typical workday looks like? So I usually kind of, depending on the project, but I jump in between design tools it could be from we used to have um, we used to work a lot in sketch and now recently kind of joined a different design team and they're predominantly using figma so i recently had to learn how to use figma as well as kind of prototyping in code editors so kind of juggling between all all three depending on the project but also my day-to-day is mostly trying to currently redesigning a, a an entire app right now and it's a bit of kind of defi- defining the IA of the, of the product and coming up with design systems that are scalable and maintainable across our, our team. And it's been it's my first time dealing with design systems, but it's been fun,
0: <laughs> yeah. When I worked at Figma, I was doing a lot of like evangelism around design systems, but now that I'm running my own practice, I'm like building them. And it nice. is definitely sort of a new experience for me as well yeah for sure i love trying out sort of new tools as they come along to see like how i can improve my workflows and build better products do you find that you're enjoying trying figma and building design systems and trying different tools or are you rather just like stay in a tool that you know how it works really well and just keep building
1: i think i'm open to trying new tools Um, and try not to fixate on any specific design tool as long as it gets the job done we tend to debate too often about certain design tools and we forget that you know as an end user they don't really care (laughs) um so i I would say treat it as a communication tool whatever whatever gets the job done um if you're faster in photoshop by all
0: means go with photoshop it doesn't really matter i completely agree and i i also with the debate on like design tools I, i feel like you can use more than one. There's yeah. not like, there's not like, oh well. Now that I'm on this one, the other one sucks. It's like, well, maybe use both of them in your practice.
1: Yeah, that's right. I don't think it's a perfect tool. You just have to know the best tool for the right job. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that transitions really well into my next question of like, what's what's your piece of advice for someone starting out as a designer or in your case, a designer developer?
1: I guess the, the mindset. I'm trying to look back and like when I first started out. I guess the mindset I would try to encourage someone that's fresh into this industry is just stay curious about everything don't be never feel like you need to stay complacent with a certain workflow tool just like try it if you don't like it you don't like it but you don't you won't know if you don't try it right also I think if you could find a mentor or maybe reach out to someone that's kind of senior into in, in your profession um, and maybe just chat about a casually chat about career paths and what that looks like. If you're feeling lost, I think that would be useful. I think also on, if you're online and on social media, try and find your tribe. So like on Twitter, if you can find a community that you feel like you belong in and maybe share similar values and things, and you know, certain topics, then try to interact with them. Just reach out and, you know, when you interact with people that share the same interest it feels less like a professional network event um being an introvert myself this is i mean this is something that's i've always struggled with it was trying to like go into these professional settings so i think if you could do that more organically that would be the best way yeah and i th- i think also just like yeah be humble <laughs> don't don't scoff at you know like design forms when i used to start out i remember i was there was. I used to think that oh, design forms are easy, but now I have spent some time actually coding design form uh, forms and in, in the front end,
0: it's it's messy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I I think that's really good advice for people of any level. Do you do you have specific advice for more senior people though? I still really consider myself as a junior
1: um, designer developer, and so I don't really have advice per se, but I, f- I'm trying to look back at my last few jobs and I've been really fortunate that all of my kind of design managers and my boss have been absolute joy to work with. And all of them gave me, you know, plenty of room to explore and carve out the type of design role that I would like to do. So I think if there was any advice is maybe give junior des- designers or, you know, someone would, you know, just give them room to really explore that and figure out what's, what's best for them in terms of what that role looks like.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And you were talking about like finding your tribe online. Uh, I know both of us are pretty active on Twitter. That's how I met you originally. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you also sort of participate in Slack communities, Telegram groups? Do you have like other places where you participate in that sort of like finding your tribe that you might recommend to people?
1: No, I don't I don't think I, I think I do most of my tribe searching on Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that leads really well into my next question as well of like, I, I think there's so many like positive things about our creative communities is... Designers, but there's a lot of negative too. There's a bigotry of, of many kinds. There's oh, racism yes. and homophobia and transphobia and ableism. <laughs> and we could go on and on and on. What are your tips for like fighting and resisting that, dealing with it, especially in person, online, especially on Twitter? Like
1: Right. Yeah. That's a you know, it's a great question and a really hard one to answer. Mm-hmm because it's almost personal. <laughs> but right, right, you know, I think growing up in New Zealand, which is like a Western culture, um, and usually being like the token Asian in most social situations, I can certainly relate to some of that casual racism that gets thrown around from time to time. And um, me being someone that's super non-confrontational, I just usually avoid them and give them any type of energy. Um, I I tend to just divert the energy into trying and better myself, and you know, just work on that and ignore all the negative um, things people say. Because I, I, I tend to believe that the, you know, the best way to stand up to the kind of racism is just through excellence and just, just kind of. I mean, I know it's kind of ironic to to think that that the message is you got to work harder and better than some other people to to get what you want, but. But that is literally the the same advice that my dad gave me growing up. Growing up, yeah. So I remember him telling me that being an immigrant it just means that you got to work harder than than white people <laughs> to earn respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of fucked up to think that it's somehow really carved and shaped my work ethics even to this day. Um, but and maybe that's possibly why I still suffer a little bit of that imposter syndrome in this industry. But Um, I think, you know, In saying that in my career, I don't really, I've been really fortunate that my teams have all been really diverse, uh, culturally and the team structure has also been really flat. So I haven't really been in a situation where I felt like I was stuck or being a victim to racial bias or anything. Um, yeah, this, I mean, prior to this podcast, I've never really had to think about that topic. and. Maybe this is me speaking from a position of privilege. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I guess maybe if I had to give like encouragement is to have more culturally diverse teams and be open-minded about our own assumptions um, when it comes to making design decisions, because ha- having that diverse team and crit- critiquing each other's work is really useful for that.
0: I think that's fantastic advice and I think you brought up imposter syndrome which I don't believe we've talked about on the show before surprisingly we've gotten 18 or 19 episodes in without talking about it could you talk a little bit more about imposter syndrome because personally it's something I deal with a lot and have throughout my career I'm curious if you could At least share your experience, if you have advice for people, love to hear that too, that are dealing with imposter syndrome. Yeah,
1: I'm definitely still on some level struggling with that, especially coming from a non-traditional route into this industry. Um, Having to kind of just learn things as I go, and seeing what other people are setting example for, and I just kind of see what the industry standard or the best practice is going along with that, it's it's definitely always kind of been in the back of my mind that am I not good enough for this job or this role? But I think as I, I guess, I mean, I've, I've talked to this about a lot of my developer friends as well, when the, I, I asked them, hey, like, should I, should I go take a course? At least I know, like, how to do this properly, because I feel like the way I'm doing things is just hacking it together. And a lot of them actually tell me that, that's what we do uh, it's we just google everything and we we always run into roadblocks and we just google it and we figure it out just like problem solving on the job so that kind of made me feel better
0: <laughs> yeah definitely it it kind of reminds me of how we talk about like adulthood and how you know i'm i'm in my 30s now and it's sort of like this um you you start to realize that nobody knows what they're doing mm. and it's scary when you feel that way, but then you start to understand that like, so does everybody and it sort of normalizes it a little bit. So I I agree with you. It's like, once you learn that most people are looking at other things for inspiration, copying things for inspiration, it's like tracing while you're drawing, Googling code snippets, you start to realize that it's like, it's okay to be just like everybody else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's an important reminder for all of us
1: yeah and i mean especially for someone that's just starting out right like the, especially in the creative field you have to look for examples to learn from and it's okay to copy other people's like ideas it's just they just credit them but don't claim it as your own work but it's, a, it's totally okay to to copy some of that examples and learn from them and just learn from the craft right so that's fine <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just like when you uh, talk about uh, designers building like a case study in their portfolio, it's okay that you didn't do all of this work. Like work doesn't happen in a vacuum. You work with a team at a company when you build a product. So it's okay that like the product that's in the app store, you didn't do every single piece to get it into the app store and in users' hands.
1: Yeah, as long as you learn something from it, that's, that's yours now. No one can take that away from you. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I I also think like crediting other people for the work that they did goes a really long way. It's sort of like building karma Mm -hmm. of someone's going to credit you for work that you did as well. Definitely. So, who is one person that the listener should know about?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to shout out to my friend for this. Um, Let's do it. For the longest time, because I make so many like-minded friends on Twitter. Uh, this whole time, I've had a good friend there called Jonathan. He's a, he's used to be a Kiwi. Um, well, he is still a Kiwi, but he currently <laughs> lives in Australia. That trader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his handle is just Jonathan with an old tune, T-O-O-N. And um, he's just been a great, like, he's great at someone, to if you just want to banter about, bikes he's into bikes as well or banter about design and dev he's always doing something cool like a side projects yeah definitely look him up
0: all right shout out Jonathan we'll we'll put a link to Jonathan's uh twitter account also in the show notes what about reading what is a book that you think everyone should read so
1: i'm not a huge reader i have to i have to admit but i remember the last book i was reading that really stuck out to me it was and I haven't even finished it. I'm like halfway through it's called the culture map. Um, and it talks a lot, it was surprisingly good because it talks a lot about how, how different if you grew up in different cultures, like the way you communicate things, the way you, um, express things are just totally different without you even realizing it. Um, and and I know I've been growing up, Again, growing up Asian in New Zealand, I sort of some somehow already knew how to navigate between the different ways people communicate, like at home to my parents versus at, in a work setting with friends. I kind of already knew the, the differences for that, but I think reading that book really kind of explained it like to great length of why you are the way you are and, and how you should receive or take compliments or take, criticisms um, from other, from people from other cultures. And I thought it was great,
0: highly recommended. Oh, that's a great recommendation. <laughs> I'll also link that in the show notes for yeah. people to read. Yeah. So I, I believe everyone should get paid for their time. So on this show, we share the profits from our advertisements with all of our guests. Are there other ways the listeners can support you? Yeah, so I have a Kofi, is it Kofi or
1: Kofi? I don't know, That that's ko-fi.com. Uh, slash Jackie Lee that's um so if you guys want to like some of the stuff that I'm doing feel free to shop me a coffee that'll be great
0: <laughs> perfect also will be in the show notes everyone please go there throw some money into Jackie's Kofi coffee ko-fi, ko-fi account <laughs> thanks <laughs> and where's the best place for people to find you um I'm
1: usually pretty active on Twitter while well, I lurk around I don't post that much but I'm always listening. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, and Instagram, um, both handles, are pop maker, but with a zero. So P zero P maker.
0: Jackie, thank you so much for being on Bezier. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap it up?
1: This has been really fun and thanks for letting me do this. this is super fun. Thanks again.
0: Bézier is a design interview podcast amplifying voices in our creative communities that don't already have large platforms and aren't working at big five tech companies. We focus on finding guests from all over the world and representative of as many of us as possible. If you have a great guest idea for Bézier, please email us at inquiry at That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at Z-A-C-H-T studio.